Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living Sopa. Busy Living Sopa. Busy Living Sopa. Okay, so it's really kind of fun because we are coming to you this week from the, uh, from the, where are we? From Island Morada, Florida, the Keys. Should I start over? I think it's kind of fun. We're coming from Island Morada, Florida which is actually in the Keys. It's all the way down in the Keys in between Key Largo and Key West, Florida. And we are sitting here by the water and we've had a big week, JF and I, and JF's here. And the big week is like some momentous things. For one, JF had 21 years of continuous sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. And it was my birthday. Which is also... Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You stay alive. You get to have another one. Um, but it's funny because when you go and you sit and you th- reflect and you think about time and you think about what it was like and what it's like now and what you went through and where you are today, and it's just a time for reflection. And where we are, we've been spent the weekend kind of because of weather and wind and that sort of thing. We've had to relax and get really quiet. So we've been reflecting. So JF, tell us what it's like, you know, just give us a little, I don't know, tell us what it's been like this week and how it felt to have 21 years of continuous sobriety. Well, um, it, it felt good. It's always good to be sober for another day. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, for me, it's just such a lifestyle now that um, it's like I, I used to... Uh, you know, I used to get like very excited around uh, anniversary dates, and uh, and and now I just I, I just kind of quiet down, and I don't make a big deal out of it. Um, you know, it's it I, I just been taught it's a one day at a time program, and uh, it's just a lot of days is what it is. But it does give me the opportunity to think back to what it was like, you know, twenty one years and just a few days ago um, at the end of the run, and. Uh, you know what it's like now and i gotta say that uh you know it's it's much preferable now to what it was then i mean there's uh the the only thing better i had going on then was that i I was younger (laughs) (laughs) that was it um and uh yeah i I just you know i mean i i guess my for me the, the you know the thing that happened to me was that um i sobriety became more attractive than than uh, drinking, and uh, and it still is, and and so I still maintain that. So I don't have a, uh, I don't really have any, I have no strong connection to drinking any longer. You know, I've just been, I'm just like a, a an old sober guy now. <laughs> I don't think you're old, please. Hello, um, you said some things. Um, for one, I get a peace and serenity when you talk, and I've always, ever since the minute I met you, that's one of the things that's attracted me to you is the fact that you are so peaceful and serene. And you say that alcohol doesn't have a part of your life. So if someone we have that we care about has been reaching out and they're thinking about, like, maybe I should go try and go to a meeting, and I haven't been to a meeting, I haven't had a drink in a really long time, meaning a year, but I still... I still sometimes see the alcohol in the corner of my eye and I think that might look good if I just had one. Nobody would know. And what is your advice to that person that's looking? And um, it's somebody who wrote to us and uh, said that they don't know what to do. They're like, should I go try one of those 12-step meetings? What do you think? I I don't know. What is it? Because it's scary. 
So will you tell us what it was like? I know thinking back now, 21 years and being old, ah, um, it's hard. But tell us what it was like and if, if you can remember what it was like to go to that first meeting. And we, I know, and some of the listeners that have been following us for a long time that know that it was not under, you didn't want to go. I kind of wanted to go. So it's kind of nice that we have two different viewpoints here because I wanted to go because I knew I needed something in my life. But you didn't want to go. So tell us about that. No, I didn't want to go at all. <laughs> I thought that, um, you know, it just it seemed like a really bad consequence of uh, of drinking to me that I was going to have to go to this meeting. And I and I did, you know, I, I dragged myself into a corner where I had no choice. I had to go to this meeting. And uh, I was uh, very apprehensive um, and uh, very nervous. And, uh, and I'm not sure why, because... I, you know, like I didn't think that, um, I, I didn't have this thought that I was going to show up and they were going to like make me stop drinking or anything. I was more, I think that when I look back now, I think that, um, the fear was more of, um, my wife's trying to multitask and she's terrible at it. So, um, that's the noise that you hear. Uh, I, I was, I think that I was really afraid to expose myself and, um, and, Quite honestly, um, it was probably more about exposing me to me than anything else. You know that that would have uh, meant that I'd maybe have to ad- admit some things that um, you know that I really didn't want to admit that I really hadn't thought about. I mean, it wasn't even a conscious thought for me about about stopping drinking, um, and I really didn't want drinking to be my problem, but. But going to that AA meeting certainly made it feel like maybe drinking was my problem. So it didn't matter to me what I thought. It didn't matter what I thought, what the program was about, because I had no idea what the people were going to be like. I had no clue or, or anything else. Um, it, it just mattered that, you know, things, thank you, higher power, got orchestrated in such a fashion that I had to go there. Um, and I went, and that really was the beginning of a very, very, very long, arduous uh, journey of you know, chipping away at my ego. Um, because the only thing that was keeping me out drinking and the only thing that was going to keep me out of that meeting if I didn't go was going to be my ego. That was it. And somehow, some way. I said that the higher power orchestrated things that I was able to overstep the ego and get there. And that was what I needed. Now, I didn't want to go at all. I had no interest. I had no interest in quitting drinking. Um, I didn't think I was going to quit. And I haven't had a drink since I went to that meeting. So, you know, it's, it's a miracle. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, and nothing happened in that meeting that I would possibly have imagined. You know, and I don't remember what I was imagining then. Um, I'm sure it was a lot of, you know, just the knowing the mindset I was in. It was a lot of, of garbage, but nothing happened that I would have imagined. It was just, turned out it was just people having an AA meeting and they were happy to have somebody show up for the very first time. Um, and, uh, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, I'm very happy that I showed up for the very first time. You know, I'll never have to do that again. Um, and, uh, 
like I said, it was the beginning of, of me chipping away at my ego. So one of the things that, um, you know, one of the things I learned early, and I'll just tell this little story that doesn't really have to do about uh, going to my first meeting, but it does have to deal with uh, my ego and the way I think about things was, um, so I went to uh, this AA meeting and then I started coming back and uh, I made a, uh, you know, Wait, I, made, I want to ask a question. Okay. Did you go to a meeting every day after your first meeting? Did you go the next day or did you wait a couple of days? Um, I didn't go the next day because I had to go see this therapist the next day who told me, uh, who, who kind of uh, talked me in, or didn't, didn't in, talk me into, but entrapped me into going to this meeting. Um, so I saw this therapist the next day and, uh, and this person told me that, uh, well, you, you know, you need to go, you need to go to another meeting. And uh, it probably was, probably took about a week before I started going every day. I mean, the people that were there were like, hey, we got a meeting tomorrow. Why don't you go to this one? Why don't you go to that one? Why don't we pick you up? Why don't we, uh, you know, why don't we grab a cup of coffee uh, beforehand and take you there? And, uh, you know, they got me where I needed to go. Um, and I liked it. And I found one, what worked really well for me was I found one where I worked that uh, met at lunchtime. And uh, I was able to do that religiously five days a week. Um, and, you know, and I still go pretty much five days a week, 21 years later. Um, so it's good. It's good. What was the story you were going to tell us? I interrupted you about. Oh, right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, so if you're unsure if you want to go or not, this, let me just relay this story. So I, um, after being in the program for a little while, I met with this fellow, um, and he... Uh, he started talking about God and prayer and he asked me if I prayed and I said no. And, um, instead of asking me why I didn't pray, he just asked, you know, if you did pray, did you, do you think it would hurt you? And, uh, oh my God. I, I couldn't answer anyway other than no, I don't think it would hurt me. So I try to apply that lesson to anything in my life that I think I don't want to do. Um, you know, and, so, you know, certainly I would ask myself that question. Would going to this meeting hurt me? And if the answer is no, then I guess I would go and see what it's all about. I love that. I love that because it, I love, like you said, three things. I love that you said that what kept you away now in hindsight was the fear of getting to know who you were. Of exposing, yes, exposing my deepest secret to myself. My deepest secret to myself. Mm -hmm. That's kind of deep. And it takes time to get there, right? To realize that that's what it is. It's like I've got to expose that deepest, most rawest part of myself and be okay with it and be able to, to do this and be okay. Well, when you, say it, when you say it that way, it sounds so daunting like it's something I have to do. And, and I didn't have to do that. It just happened. You know? Well, that's what I mean. It's like, I, it is yeah. daunting. It's not that you, I, I mean, I would never, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you with me going to my first meeting, I knew I was scared, scared, scared. I'm like, who's going to see me? I went in my town. I know that my friend who also asked this question said, what, can I go someplace far away so I don't have to go in my neighborhood? I didn't want to go in my neighborhood to my first meeting either because I was like, oh my God, who's going to see me? Ironically, the weirdest part is is that everybody's there for the same reason. Exactly. 
but it's, yeah. the first meeting I went to was at the end of my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely my neighbors. Uh huh. And it turns out wherever I go, I have a bunch of uh, recovering alcoholic neighbors, which is nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool because that again, that ego gets us to this place where we're like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want anybody to see me. What if somebody sees me? What are they going to say? What are they going to think about me? What is that is like the whole thing that kept me away for so long was what everybody else was going to think. Now, I didn't think it was bad that I'd go out with a bunch of ladies and get, you know, have too many. For me, I'm going to talk. But then you can talk about what it was like for you. But for me, like going out and getting together with people and getting totally drunk. I mean, I was the person that I had one and I couldn't stop. Like I have that phenomenon of craving they talk about. I have this this inability to, to stop once I've started. I mean, when I go, I go big. I do not stop. And I remember still to this day, 13 years later, going and going, oh, my God, I cannot stop. So I cannot stop. And But that was okay for me to be around my friends and my neighbors and being a mom and all that. But I was I was okay to be around everybody really drunk. But then I wasn't okay being around everybody really sober. Like they were like that's scary. Well, yeah, and I think that 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 has become the uh, the theme of your life is uh, you know talking about the uh, the shame of addiction and and so it makes sense to me is that um, you know the uh, <clears throat> the shame is comes from buying into that story that I have uh, a lack of self control or I have a lack of willpower or I have a lack of whatever it is that I. I can't control my drinking, um, you know, like it's something that I could do, um, and I can't, and it, there's no easy way to explain it, but as, you know, as you were talking about going to that first meeting and, like, who am I going to see, and, you know, and it would be so embarrassing, and maybe I should go four towns over, like, I think, gosh, you know, uh, cancer patients don't go four towns over to get their chemotherapy, do they? No. And they probably do it as close to their home as they possibly can. Um, and they probably see people that they know. And I know that there's support groups for them. And, uh, and everybody's behind that. And the crazy thing about addiction is that what you'll find is almost everybody is behind that. You know, Almost everybody is behind uh, the person who has the problem getting clean or getting sober or whatever it is and finding support and, and living a happy, joyous, and free life. Um, there's not very many people that are going to look down on you uh, or or disparage you in any way at all. No, we just want to love each other. It's like so crazy because you go to that first, at least for me, it can be intimidating. I can say, I'm just going to let people know this because, and you can, what do you think about this? Like when you go to your first meeting and you raise your hand, I mean, sometimes the people swar- swarming the newcomer I think sometimes can be very intimidating and it can be very off-putting to some. But there are people that do that, right? I'm not one. I'm not a swarmer. I'm definitely not. I, if somebody raises their hand and says that they're, they're, they're at their first meeting, I kind of let them take it in because it's a lot. It's a lot. But a lot of people want to play God sometimes in those rooms and they want to be like, oh, here, let me take my number. Call me. Let me do this everything for you. And it's, it, it, there's no pause and there's no God in that. It's all their own willpower. But 
I felt love in the room. Like I didn't need somebody to come up to me and give me their phone number to feel the love in the room. It just, you could just feel it. It, it, it didn't need to be so shoved down my throat. It was just there. I think you, I think you probably find that you get what you need. So that first meeting I went to <clears throat> was a very small meeting and they were swarmers. I, I, don't, I don't think they'd had anybody show up brand new at their meeting in a long long time they were really excited they were really happy and uh you know and the only reason why i felt uncomfortable once again was because of my ego you know and if i could have just you know it all worked out just the way it was supposed to work out but all my discomfort was strictly on me you know these people were only wanted the best for me they only wanted the best possible outcome for me um they had they didn't want anything from me at all. It was an honest, absolute them giving to me with looking for nothing in return. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and they, they, they ended it with keep coming back. And, uh, and I did. And I still do. Um, and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just eternally grateful for that. And I can remember vividly. And I don't remember much from back then, but I can remember vividly walking down the stairs and what the room was like and pretty much everybody that was there. I don't remember what the message was or anything else, but I remember the faces and some of those faces are still around 21 years later. You know, it's great. So. And the peace that we get, it's, um, I'm reflecting here. It's, um, the peace you get from not drinking. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to say that we, where we're staying, you know, you walk in the door and they greet you with a glass of champagne. And, um, oh, it just looks gross to me. I don't know why they don't give you Pellegrino. I wish they did. Because <laughs> we know I love my Pellegrino. But, um, you know, you get here and it, the first thing is, oh, go, uh, here you are, you get to relax by alcohol. And um, that's so not the case. I never even know what, what it felt like to relax when I was drinking. There was no such thing as relaxation when I was drinking. No. If, unless you think being relaxed is, you know, passed out. <laughs> That's it. Because I'm with you. Once the fuses lit, I'm off to the races. And, uh, yeah, it's not about relaxation at all. For us. For most people, it is. And uh, God bless them. But not for us. And it's, um, it's interesting. It's, um, when you, when you are around it, like we are, and I know people that are newly in recovery, it come to places like this. And I think it can be hard. Don't you think it is? It's hard for some people when they're around it all 24 seven. Well, I can tell you this, that, uh, for, from my experience in that, in the very early, uh, stages, you know, I mean, as, as uncomfortable and difficult as it was for me to, and scary to go to that first meeting. Uh, man, was it really uncomfortable and difficult when I put myself in a situation that I probably had no business being in in early sobriety, you know, like a very raucous party, I mean, very raucous party, or, uh, a, you know, a, a big raucous business thing, um, you know, and where everybody's getting hammered. Um, that was super uncomfortable. I when did you when did you do that? So tell us how long how much time did you have before you went to one of those raucous functions? Um, I think that uh, the first one that I went to was, you know, probably I got I, I don't remember exactly, but you know my sobriety date is early October, 
So, uh, you know, I had the entire holiday season to get through, and my business at the time was uh, very social, and and uh, and there was a there was a lot of parties, and they were not nice parties. You know, they were wild parties. But they looked nice. Well, they looked nice up to a point, up to about eight thirty. <laughs> And and then then they just got wild and you know and for me that was super uncomfortable, you know I didn't like that at all because uh, I had finally gotten to the point where I didn't want to drink, um, and I knew I wasn't going to, but it was really not easy for me to be around all that, um, and it wasn't like it wasn't like it was, you know, reaching out to me to try to to get me to drink it but I just felt so uncomfortable when because I used to be the ringleader you know I mean I was if there was a star of the party it was me and uh you know and I wasn't that anymore I didn't know where my place was once again it's my ego that made me feel so uncomfortable I didn't know where my place was I hadn't found my place yet and uh I just was no fun at all no fun at all and so, but you went, you went and you made it through, but it was uncomfortable, but it was no fun. So how long did you stay? Um, I, I think the first one that I remember going to was, it, honest to God, it was like probably 300 people in a space for 50. And I made it from the front door to the back door and back to the front door. And I left and just that journey probably took me, you know, 35, 40 minutes because it was so crowded. It was horrible. <laughs> I was like being stuck in Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I mean, because it, it was like a swinging from the chandeliers kind of scene. It was, it was just, it was not fun. I would not recommend that for anybody. But, like I say, my ego got me to that party. Um, and then my ego made me feel completely uncomfortable once I was there. So now, <clears throat> 21 years later, would I go to that party? Probably not. Probably not, because it just wouldn't be fun for me. Can I go to a party? Sure, I go to plenty of parties all the time. Um, I can go anywhere and do anything, pretty much. Um, and if it's going to be civilized, then I'm happy to go. You know. But if it's going to be uh, like a, a scene out of Animal House which is how I used to party. I just, I don't need to do that. There's nothing in it for me. It's not appealing at all. And um, I love that. And I love that we keep talking about our ego because I, I never really knew what an ego was. Like people would talk, oh, your ego, your ego, your ego. But I really didn't understand it till it's taken time to realize that it really wants, my ego is what, what wants me alone. My ego wants me to think that I've got it all going on. Um, as that guru says, you know, I've been listening to a guru on Insight Timer and he talks about how, you know, if all we do is think about ourselves, it's kind of a sad place to be. Um, it's a really sad place to be, in fact. And we don't want to just be think. at least I don't want to just be thinking about myself. I, I want to be thinking about other people rather than thinking about me. And I want to think about helping other people and how to help people on my journey. 
And it's interesting that first meeting, I mean, we'll do anything not to go and we'll do anything to be by ourselves and think that we're different. Our story's different. I'm different than everybody else. If you had my life, you'd do this too. And it just gets us separated instead of getting us included. All we want to do is exclude ourselves and make it, get us alone and feel sorry for ourselves rather than being like, I'm going to have an open heart and everybody loves me. And why wouldn't everybody love us? And why wouldn't everybody want to be open and willing and chair and want to be around us? But it's ourselves, ourselves that tells us the lies that we're different and we're special and we're better and we can't go to this place and we can't go to that place. And um, it's kind of crazy. The other subject I wanted to bring up is like being on a vacation and not having a lot to do. As I mentioned, you know, making sure that you go somewhere that you have a lot to do or that you can be honest with your partner or your spouse or your friend that you're with to say, you know what? Oh my gosh, this vacation stinks because it's so boring. Because <laughs> I have to tell you, we came to this place and, you know, and sometimes in places that are islands or in the beach, there's no beach here really, but, um, places that are on the water if you're not a water person or the weather isn't isn't up to par so that you can participate in water sports and you're like what else is there to do and everybody's sitting around drinking you have to be able to be honest with your spouse or your partner and say you know what this is boring do you agree well sure i mean it's always it's probably always important to be honest with yourself and uh, whoever you're with no matter what it's about right so um yeah, your point is uh, we got here and we thought we were going to do a lot of water sports and it's so windy that uh, there's actually pretty much no water sports that you can do um, and there's no town to walk to. Um, and uh, so we were uh, forced to, uh, you know, quietly be with ourselves for two days. And uh, I have to say uh, we got an A-plus, we did it, and we had fun and it was nice. Um, but I think a lot of that was just, um, you know, it, just accepting things uh, as for what it was and, and just moving on. I mean, if it's too windy to go out and do water sports, what are you going to do about it? You know, find something else to do. And uh, Elizabeth and I are very good at finding other things to do. So, you know, we did. And we had a good time. And we talked about it. And it's like, and you might be being like, so what does that have to do with being sober? The reality is, is like, I think the whole journey, it's like putting down the drink is the first thing. I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people is putting down that drink and then learning that acceptance that JF talked about earlier. And that acceptance of walking into a room being like, okay, I can do this and I can go and I can find out a little bit more about myself. Even if I might be scared and I might be scared, I'm scared. I mean, it all goes back to fear and even being on this trip. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm bored. That's fear. I'm fearful of being like sitting here in my own skin going, oh, my God, there's nothing that's going to entertain me. There's nothing to keep my mind off of just being. And I think that the guru also told me this weekend that, you know, taking time just to pause. It's so important to just not exert so much energy all the time on just nothing. So it's taking time just to be, just to be in your skin and be who you are and enjoy that. And that's what being sober is about. It doesn't matter about drinking or not drinking. The drinking was but a symptom. It was a way to escape. It was a way to find that sense that you were okay. It was a way to quiet the brain that said that what you weren't good enough, life isn't good enough, everything is stinks, right? Yes. 
I was thinking as you were talking about fear that, um, you know, I was thinking if you, uh, if there's something that you think maybe you want to try, um, and, and fears holding you back, maybe it's a really good idea to take 10 minutes, whatever it takes and write down what are those fears? You know, what are they? And identify them and, uh, try to identify them for what they are and, see if it makes sense to not try it or not so the way i kind of look at at things in my life is like all right if i if especially when i'm afraid that well if i do that i might not be able to do it i might fail or it might not happen the way i want it to happen or you know whatever it is i uh try to think to myself i had tried this mentality of um so if i if i do this and it doesn't work out where does that put me and uh, 99% of the time, my answer is it puts me exactly where I am right now, so why not go try it, right? There's no risk to the downside. It can't hurt me, so I may as well, you know, butch up, give it a shot, and see what happens. So if you're out there and you're listening, give it a chance. Try it. Don't let your ego get you alone by yourself thinking that you can't do this and you can't do that. Because it's all lies. It's all fears that of things that haven't even happened. Nine out of ten times, they're not going to happen. And take a risk and uh, enjoy life and just get out of your own way. That Those alcohol and, alcohol and drugs want to lie to you. Want to get you all by yourself thinking that you're a loser. Thinking that you're not worth it. Thinking that you got to be by yourself and you can't change. And, you know... These 12-step groups are cults. Somebody walked up to me and said, somebody thinks it's a cult. I'm like, I, you know what? Does it really matter? It's like nobody knows really what God is. Does that make me a loser too? Because I believe in God and I can't see it, smell it, or taste it? I, I don't think so. So uh, it's all labels. It's all noise. And, uh, oh, here, he wants to inject one more thing. Hold on. Yeah, I just want to I want to leave everybody with this thought because I think it's a good one is that and I love this for myself is that it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. It only matters what I do. So <clears throat> when I was uh, got to, to my bottom and uh, I didn't think that I wanted to quit drinking and I felt like uh, the meeting was scary or weird or whatever it was, none of that mattered. The only thing that mattered was that I went. That was my that I did it. Um, and you know, throughout my whole life, I've realized since I've gotten sober, it doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what I feel. It only matters what I do. Um, so just keep doing it. With that, keep into action. Keep into action. Don't be by yourself. Keep reaching out. If you are out there and you're alone and you have all these questions, you're like, how am I going to do this? Please reach out. I promise. I promise we will, we will answer your questions right away. And you can remain anonymous if you'd like to. And our friend down in Dallas, we're thinking of you. I would love you. And, um, you know, don't be, don't listen to that head of yours that's not telling you the truth. Take some action today. Get into action. Change something. Even if it's the way you get to work or you drive your kids to school, do something different today. It'll change your whole outlook. And remember that you're not alone. And until next week, keep getting busy living. Bye-bye.